Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. This is not a negotiation. I'm running this team because the Reinsdorfs want me to, and I'm going to run it that I think is best. And your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. I think your play is embarrassing. The pro player thing, this is basketball. Follow Locked On Bulls on social media, on Twitter at Locked On Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Pat, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Locked On Chai Bulls. Our players buying in, Jim? I, yes. Fair enough. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, streaming live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. On Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked On Shy Bulls. On Instagram, at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your texts, your voicemails. Whenever you're listening to the show, wherever you're listening to the show, drop us all of your questions, all of your comments. We want to hear from you. So again, 331-979-1369. I'm your host, Jordan Malley. Matt Peck is out today, so I'm here hanging out with you guys. Guess who's back? Wow. Well, that Lakers game did not go the way that we thought it was going to go, did it? No Zach Levine last night, but sure enough, the King came into town and did what uh, LeBron James does best here in Chicago, or at least what he's done best over the last nearly two decades or so. Came in the Lakers win 123-107 over the Bulls, so I want to get into that game today. Also want to get into some things about Jim Boylan, and I'm going to take some of your texts and a few voicemails that you guys dropped yesterday, uh, touching on yesterday's conversation and just from the weekend, so I'll run through a few of those on the back end of today's segment, but want to start off kicking off the show today, uh, diving into last night's game, Bulls and Lakers, so to start up the show Let's talk about the Bulls blowing their second 20-plus point lead in five days and ending up with a loss. How do you guys feel about that? You know, no Zach Levine last night. A lot of the offense weighing down on Lowry Markin and Otto Porter Jr. And surprisingly enough, asking Robin Lopez to be one of the Bulls' main offensive weapons. Lowry Markin has been struggling, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, but... Asking Lowry to be one of your offensive pieces with the absence of Zach. Asking Otto Porter to step up and being one of your offensive firepowers. And even asking Robin Lopez to fill in in that role. You see, the Bulls have kind of struggled. And when you don't have Zach Levine to kind of lean on for that 22 to 30 points a game, things get weird. And they did certainly last night, so... Let's start with the first quarter, though, because this is where I thought the Bulls were going to maybe come out and beat a Lakers team that hasn't played well since the trade deadline and even before that. I mean, the last time we saw this Lakers team was mid-January when the Bulls were on a terrible West Coast trip in the midst of a 10-game losing streak at the bottom of the barrel. This was when I think the Bulls were at their lowest point of this entire season. The Bulls played a really good first quarter, like a really good first quarter. And this has been a common theme, I think, all season long. I mean, the Bulls were 11-2 run in that first quarter. And then also they capped it off at the end of the first quarter with a 14-2 run. They left LeBron James only to score two points in that first quarter. So keeping him at a minimum was great to see. The only person that was lighting things up and providing any type of offense was Rajon Rondo, who was 3-for-6 in this first quarter. So... That was good to see. Things were starting off right off the bat pretty decent. Robin Lopez was four for five, and Otto Porter Jr. was two for three. So between those two guys and then Chris Dunn was three for six, everything seemed to start clicking right away for the starters. And then you get to the second and the third quarters. So let's go to that. The Bulls pushed out a lead to 20. 
We saw this happen back on Friday where the Bulls had a lead at 21 against the Pistons. And then they let the Pistons come all the way back from down 21 to grab a hold of a lead and ended up finishing with a win. Fine. Things like that are going to happen. But it all turns around leading up to when the Bulls bench has to come in and play significant amount of minutes. And this is becoming an increasingly bigger problem as the Bulls continue to progress from February into March. And the more games that the Bulls play and the more the Bulls have to continue to rely on heavy load minutes for the starters in the absence of guys that were coming off the bench like Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis. Now you're having to deal with a situation where do you give more minutes to guys like Timotei Luau Cabarro? Are you going to allow guys like Antonio Blakeney or Cristiano Felicio or anybody off that bench to come in and play more than 10 minutes a night? And can you can you trust any of them to come in and play quality minutes and not give up a lead? Apparently not, because Friday and last night are case in point, second and third quarter. Anytime those guys came in, it was like a lead was almost disappearing right before our eyes. Here's some stats that I saw from the second and the third quarter. Just right off the bat, the Bulls gave up 82 points combined in the second and the third quarter to the Lakers. The Lakers scored 82 points. The Bulls scored 50, a differential of 32 points. I looked at this and was wondering if this was a record for points allowed by the Bulls in franchise history. And sure enough, it was. This is a franchise record for the most points given up in the second and the third quarter combined by the Bulls. In franchise history, the last two times the Bulls have given up 80 or more points in these two quarters comes... Friday, November 24, 2017 against the Golden State Warriors. And then the Bulls did this again this season where they gave up 81 points to, again, the Golden State Warriors on October 29th in the second and the third quarter. So this obviously not a great look, but let's continue. The second and the third quarter was a bit appalling, right? If you were sitting there watching this game... You watched as the Lakers in that second quarter, as soon as they came out, they went on a 16-2 run, and then they went on a a quick 5-0 run with about five minutes left in the half. The Bulls struggled where they had rotations coming in and out. They had guys, weird substitutions going on in the second quarter and just trying to hang on to a lead, and the Bulls ended up going into the half with a five-point lead, even though the Lakers scraped and clawed their way back all the way down 20 to cut the lead to five going into the half. Fine. Then the third quarter hits. The Bulls run out there with their starters again after their starters playing a majority of the first half. This is where things got kind of sketchy. Bulls go on a 15-5 run after the Lakers go on a 9-0 run. Then the Lakers cap off that third quarter with a 24-3 run, supplemented by not only Wayne Seldon Jr. getting tossed out of the game, but LeBron throwing down two dunks, including one that made the number one play on SportsCenter last night. To me, it it just it goes back to everything I was talking about over the last couple of weeks is pressing and feeling like this the starting five that the Bulls are using is running out of gas. It's like you can't press these guys to play 32 to 38 minutes a night, and at some point, you're going to need the bench to play, and anytime those guys do play, it seems like any lead that the, the starters have built up just completely disappears. But second and third quarter stats combined again here. The Lakers were 11 for 19 from three, 57.9% they shot during those two quarters. Their offensive rating during those two quarters combined was 150.7, and their defensive rating was a 92.6 for a net rating of 62.1. Now the Bulls, you flip that, it's complete opposite. The Bulls were an offensive rating of a 92.6, a defensive rating of 154.7, and a net rating of negative 62.1. That third quarter especially, too, was very strange. You know, the starters came out right after the half. Jim Boylan ran with those guys for the majority of that third quarter. But then immediately, almost immediately when Jim Boylan had to take out some of his starters, that Lakers team went on a 24-3 run. 
It was almost immediate. Bulls couldn't get anything going in that second half, didn't make any adjustments, and every lane for the Lakers offensively was wide open. During the second and that third quarter, Porter and Markinen were 4 for 13 from the field and only scored 15 points. The two guys that you needed to step up and score points for you with the absence of Zach Levine scored 15 points during those two periods that were really crucial for the Bulls to hold on to a five-point lead going into the half. LeBron James and Kyle Kuzma during those two quarters, they were 16 for 24, shooting 66.67%, and they scored 39 points. 39 of those 82 points, nearly half the points that the Lakers scored. So to me, it was a multitude of things that happened during these two periods that ended up shifting the momentum for the Lakers. And to me, it was just, you watched as the Lakers got out in transition multiple different times, especially in the second and third quarters. The, the Lakers ended up with 28 transition points in this game. 24 of those transition points and Jim Boylan specifically talked about this in his post-game press conferences. We allowed them to score way too much in transition. Well, no, no duh. And I think that that goes back to the fact that the starters had to keep going back into the game because the bench couldn't do anything. As soon as the bench went back into that game, the Lakers were torturing them. Cristiano Felicio was picking up fouls left and right. And we'll get to him to, in, in, to, to a point about him in a second. 24 fast break points in the second and the third quarter. 24 out of 28 fast break points. So when that happens and you allow LeBron James to get out and run and allow a few other of these guys to get out and run, you're not getting back on defense. Leads that are built up to almost 20 are going to disappear almost instantly. Before I get back to Diving a little bit more into this Lakers-Bulls game. The first weekend of the NCAA tournament is the greatest betting event of the year. All of the conference tournaments are starting this week. The Big Ten tournament starts today in Chicago at the United Center. So shout out to everybody that's going to that. Whether you're filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting the first round of upsets, or all of the above, my bookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Indiana get in? They're on the bubble right now. I'm crossing my fingers. They can maybe pull off two wins and secure themselves for Selection Sunday coming up this weekend. Crossing my fingers on that one. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates cement their legacy at Duke with a title? I don't know about that one. Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16 seed last year? First time ever that's happened. And Kentucky... Can they get back to the Final Four? If you know the answers, or even if you don't, my bookie is the place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone, even you, multiple bracket guy. My bookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business. And the best part is, they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking 48 hours. Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash. Deposit with MyBookie today with the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for 50% up sign-up bonus. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. With MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. I know this is a huge week for any college basketball fans out there. I'm going to be watching all of the conference tournament games, and if you're an NBA head out there too, you should be watching all these conference tournament games leading up to the NCAA tournament, watching all these top prospects too if you're a Bulls fan sitting at the top of the lottery and especially the Bulls having a second round pick too, you should be engaged as ever in these NCAA conference games and also the NCAA tournament. So what better way to sit back, maybe win a little cash on the side, use my bookie, use that promo code locked on NBA for 50% up sign up bonus. Uh, cross your fingers too for Indiana. Maybe they can pull off two wins. The Big Ten tournament has not been too kind to them over the last handful of years so I'm crossing my fingers and even if Indiana loses they're still on the bubble so crossing my fingers for that my bookie you play you win you get paid so I think that was my biggest problem with the entire night is we saw a 20 point lead for the second time in five days disappear it seemed like the energy and the effort was just depleted again after the Lakers caught up. They went on a few of those stretches, especially to end that third quarter. That 24 to 3 run was just was just mind-blowing. And it seemed like Jim Boylan didn't know what to do at that point when when nothing was working. 
I mean, he called two timeouts in a matter of 42 seconds. This has been a problem for Jim Boylan all year since he's taken over as head coach is he doesn't know how to manage his timeouts and he doesn't really know how to manage. And like to, to Jim Boylan's credit too is like, I don't blame him really. Like you don't have anybody to go to on that bench besides Wayne Selden Jr. And even him, he's been cold. He's been cold offensively. So you don't have any offensive weapons on that bench. But you also have nobody that can play defense besides Wayne Selden Jr. So I get it. It's this it's this seesaw effect that you have to play with and this tug of war that you have to play with is, yes, your starters need to come off and get a breather and rest, but at the same time, nobody on that bench, you feel comfortable sticking out there for more than 90 seconds, two and a half minutes, three minutes at a time. This is why I go back to and maybe Fred got killed for this too when he was coaching, is he would try to mix it up and try to keep some of his guys out there with some of the bench unit and try to stagger his rotations so the Bulls don't get killed when they sub in four or five guys. You know, sub the starters in four guys, five guys, or, or flip-flop the bench. And I think Jim Boylan is trying to experiment with that a little bit, but at the same time, he just doesn't have a whole lot to work with. But it is a little weird to look at the breakdown of the third quarter and especially the second quarter and seeing how the minutes are staggered out. And anytime the Lakers were going on a run, it's like a guy gets subbed out, especially if you look at Lowry Markin in that third quarter, the 12-minute marker to the 219-minute marker, and then he's subbed out, and then he comes back not even 90 seconds later. And then comes back, plays the entire fourth quarter. I mean, it's just, just kind of weird to me. And I understand it. They were trying to keep the lead close. They were trying to keep things relatively close and trying to stay in this game. But I don't know. They got to find a way to stagger things. And especially without Zach Levine, you can't go to all five guys on the bench. It's just not going to work anymore. You're going to see leads being blown completely. And at the same time, the starters the starters need a break. Robin Lopez, you're, you're seeing it. Robin Lopez can't go out there and play 35 minutes in a night like those minutes he he stacked up in February are catching kind of catching up to him now so I don't know it just goes back to last night to more than anything else nobody was really getting back on defense that's why you were seeing a lot of transition plays there was some boneheaded plays to some turnovers some bad shots guys were just not knocking down shots the way that the Bulls were doing it in February this has been a struggle for the Bulls over the last few games um as much as the bench didn't help the Bulls out at all and didn't help the Bulls starters at all, you can't blow you can't blow a twenty plus point lead, even if it does come early on in the second quarter. And I get it that the Lakers have LeBron James, but at the same time, like it's the Lakers. They haven't been playing good at all. They've been one of the worst teams of the last six weeks. So uh, a few other things to note on this game, just real fast. Uh, just taking a look at what Chris Dunn did last night. So, you know, we kind of talked about that yesterday, and I said if anybody was going to step up, if if anybody had an opportunity right in front of their faces, it would be Chris Dunn with the absence of Zach Levine. And sure enough, last night, Chris Dunn, while he was a minus five in the plus minus in almost every single bull that played over 20 minutes, was a minus in the plus minus other than Lowry Markkinen, who was a plus one. Chris Dunn. 8 for 16 from the field, 2 for 3 from the three-point line, didn't make it to the free-throw line at all, but had 18 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds, 2 steals, and 4 turnovers. Pretty decent night. This is probably the best night we've seen from Chris Dunn since what? Indiana? Back in January, the beginning of January? And he was actually he was actually feisty. He was attacking Rajon Rondo, left and right, going after him, like, this was the Chris Dunn. This was just a blip on the radar of what the the Chris Dunn that we saw and we knew from last year. The aggressive Chris Dunn that we saw. So, it was nice. And he had a... Man, if you can go back and watch the replay, he had a really nice reverse layup. I think it was in the first half, but there was a really, really nice reverse layup that he had. And hey, credit to him too. Two for three from the three-point line. I'm telling you, man, he's trying to take those shots this year. And that's why you're seeing a little bit of a dip in his field goal percentage. But... He's trying. He's trying to take those threes. So it was good to see him bounce back a little bit. And for him taking 16 shots, that's not what he's been doing over these last 15 games. 
So it was good to see him bounce back a little bit. I've got a couple other things that I want to talk about with this Lakers game. I've got some quotes from Lowry Markkinen on his struggles, and we'll compare and contrast his February to his March so far. But uh, Matt's here to talk to you guys about King Wipes. What's up, Locked On Bulls listeners? This is Matt here with a word from our latest sponsor, King Wipes. King Wipes will change your life. They've changed mine. I'm not kidding. I'm not a guy who uses a lot of products and toiletries. I'm pretty simple. I got a stick of deodorant. I got two-in-one shampoo, conditioner. I got body wash, and I got toothpaste. That's it. I'm very simple when it comes to taking care of my body and what people call manscaping these days. But I swear, King Wipes will change your life. Wipes at a new level of clean that is just not possible with dry toilet paper. Think about it. If you spill peanut butter on the counter, do you wipe it up with a dry paper towel? Or after digging in your yard, do you come in and wipe your hands with a dry napkin before eating? Every man is the king of his castle, and that includes, that's right, that porcelain throne. Make the most of your throne time with large, luxurious wipes that are biodegradable and infused with aloe vera to keep it all soft and clean. Have you ever been stuck at the stadium, on the road, at the office, or in a dingy dive bar with nothing but receipts and $30 bills? Keeping King Wipes in your pocket can really save your butt. They're available in both a 48-count home throne pouch and individually wrapped wipes for those on-the-go moments in life. King Wipes make every flush a royal flush. And our Locked On Bulls listeners right now can visit kingwipes.com and enter Locked On 15 to save 15% on all purchases. That's kingwipes.com, Locked On 15 promo code for 15% off all your purchases. They're also available for purchase on Amazon. Remember, King Wipes are for the Duke in all of us. Your throne awaits. Go take it. All right, so I'd mentioned it too that Lowry Markinen has been having a rough March compared to his February at least. Last night's not a particularly great night for Lowry Markinen. Four for seventeen from the field. He was zero for eight from three. He only got to the free throw line and shot only three free throws. He had eleven points, five rebounds, zero assists, two turnovers, zero steals. Like I had mentioned, he was a plus one in the plus minus. It just wasn't a, a really great night for Lowry Markkinen. Lowry Markkinen had some quotes talking about the slump that he may or may not be in. Uh, the audio coming from Tony Gill, 670 The Score, coming from his Twitter too. So here's what Lowry Markkinen had to say about his slump or what he looks at. Trying to make a little bit longer period see if I it's actually that bad. And, uh, I'm not, I recognize that it's not going in right now, but I'm not not putting my head down. Other than, so. are, you, are you a guy that, do you look at your numbers, like, after each game and say, this, this, or look at them over the last five games and kind of look at the trends? Or? I think that was a good point uh, Cooper actually made, because a lot of people do, like, they think they're in a slump because they shot 0 for 8 tonight. Uh, but then I try to, uh, instead of that, I try to look at seven, eight game stretch and see, because normally it kind of evens up. You got to go all for eight, and then you might go three for seven and whatever. But so I started looking at it that way, and now it's been a couple games, so I might take a look. Like I said, I'm going to take a look at a film. If I need to change anything, it's just been a while, but I don't. I don't see anything because they all feel good and in balance and in rhythm. So. Do the coaching staff have a range of attempts they'd like you to hit each game? You get to the line a certain amount of times? Are you looking for a certain amount of three-point attempts you have? Uh, no, I'm just trying to play the game the right way. Uh, just pass the ball whenever the guy's open and <laughs> just take my shot when it and I get a good look. And, uh, that's what we've been trying to do as a team, play on basketball, and, and that's what we're going to get to. When the shooter makes the first few shots, they can kind of get into a rhythm. If you miss your first couple of shots, is it tough not to get deflated and say, yeah, rough start, here we go again? Uh, yeah, it's tough. Uh, of course, it's more fun to see them going in, but uh, like, like I've said multiple times, they all felt good, so I, I didn't want to put my head down there. Oh, I'm not making shots today. I still believed that the next shot's going in. So obviously, Lowry realizes that 
he's in a little bit of a shooting slump here. The rebounds are down too as well. I don't know if that's nearly just an adjustments type of thing that's that's happening with some of these teams that the Bulls are playing. If that's merely a factor of Robin Lopez being a little bit out of gas over these last 10 games, I think maybe it's a multitude of different factors. You know, Zach Levine hasn't played in two of the seven games in the month of March, which could be playing a factor to that. Otto Porter missed one of those games as well. There could be a combination of things, and it also could too just be Lowry Markinen is in a little bit of a shooting slump. Uh, here's the numbers too, just to give you guys kind of an idea of what's happening here. So in February, in 10 games, Lowry Markinen was... Sh- was averaging 26 points, 12.2 rebounds, 2.4 assists, 1.7 turnovers, on a usage percentage of 26.8%. Now, his field goal percentage was 48.6%, 34.8% from three, and a free throw percentage of 92.3%. And he was averaging about 6.5 free throws per game, 6.9 three-point attempts per game, and 18.1 field goal attempts per game. In the month of March, in seven games... He's averaging 17.3 points per game, 9.1 rebounds, 1.7 assists, 1.6 turnovers on 23.2% usage. His field goal percentage is 37%, 26.1% from three, and 87.9% from the free throw line. He's averaging 15.4 field goal attempts per game, 6.6 three-point attempts per game, and 4.7 free throw attempts. So to me, it sounds like just looking at those numbers, you know, Lowry's field goal attempts have dipped a little bit. The three-point shot has dipped completely. He's down 8% from three. So that shot is just not falling for him. You saw it again last night, 0 for 8 from the field. I think this weekend, I think on Sunday, he was 1 for 7. Things are just not falling. He's not getting to the free throw line like he was in February either, nearly as much. So... Maybe this is a case of Zach Levine being out too, not opening things up nearly as much. And it also could be a case too is defenses are planning for what Lowry Markkinen has grown and adapted to over the month of February. So it's a multitude of factors, but Lowry Markkinen is realizing it. Shot is just not falling. So he's going to have ebbs and lows. And we knew this too, that like Lowry Markkinen had just come off his best month of his career. So we kind of knew that those stats weren't going to stay at that all-time high over those 10 games. We kind of knew that the numbers were going to come back down to earth a little bit. But certainly this is not where I think Lowry Markkinen is going to sit. This is, this is way too low for him too. So it's like we got to an all-time high and now we're in the month of March in seven games. And now he's hit kind of a low point too, so... I think there's a balancing factor here going on, and he might just be a little bit, uh, a little bit gassed. That could be a factor too. They just played in a four overtime game not even ten days ago. Uh, they've had a lot of games coming into this stretch, so there's a multitude of factors. So I wouldn't freak out if I were you guys, but certainly seven games in the month of March hasn't been kind to Lowry Markin, and he realizes it. Uh, so we'll continue to monitor that as, as it goes, but certainly Jim Boylan has mentioned it as he can flip games, and especially when Zach is out. The Bulls, if they want to continue to win games and stay in games, Lowry's got to be their guy, especially if Zach is out. Lowry has to be their guy. The last thing I've got from this Lakers, I found it very weird that Wayne Seldon was tossed out of this game last night. I know a lot of Bulls Twitter found it very weird too. Not Still not very clear on what he was complaining about or what the refs thought he was complaining about, but the first technical fine, okay, but then he went to the baseline to take the ball out and wasn't even looking at the ref and then just got the quick hook and got the second technical and then was tossed out of the game. Delay a game warning against the Bulls. Look at Zach Levine on the bench. Right now, Wayne Selden Jr., Chris Dunn. There's a technical foul. And who is that on? Not sure who this is on. And no explanation. Uh, technical foul is on Chris Dunn. Well 
Kirkland. Makes the technical free throw. No, it's on Wayne Selden Jr. Now they change it. Now he's not happy. He's going wild. You said it was on Chris. There's another one, and now Selvin is oh, going. Come on. Come on. What was that? This is this, this is that's crazy. Come on now. Come on now. They didn't come here to see this. Well, what? I mean, what? what? He was taking the ball out. Another thing. Oh, here he is. He's not even looking at the official. Unless he, unless he can read lips. Not even looking at the official. Well, you got those mother ears where you know moms hear everything. Jim Boylan addressed it after the, the post game and said something along the lines of like, you know, I talked to Wayne and said, you know, we're not going to get technical fouls here. I'll get the technicals. You know, you play the game. That's fine, man. But if I'm Wayne Zeldin, like you saw him after he picked up that second technical. If you're watching the replay, he's like got his hands on his head, jumping up and down. He's like, "What? How? Why did I pick up that second technical? I wasn't even looking at you." And from looking at the replay, if you zoom in, even it doesn't even look like he was saying anything. And if he was, I don't think it was worth enough. And unless he said something that you could, we couldn't pick up on the audio, I don't think it warranted a second technical just very bizarre to me man like I watched like I said every time somebody's been tossed out of a game from the Bulls side of things I watched Draymond Green almost nightly get in refs faces swear basically be able to say whatever he wants and gets it never gets tossed literally never gets tossed out of games and I get it Draymond Green is much more of a factor for a Golden State Warriors team and can change the outcome of a game more so than Wayne Selden Jr. can. So I get that, but come on. Come on now. So, I mean, for a lot of us Bulls fans who were watching that last night, it'd be nice to get a little bit of an explanation of why he was tossed out of the game. I just found that very, very bizarre. And it was a very quick hook last night, too. It was like technical. They reviewed it. Wayne Selden goes to the baseline. In 45 seconds, he picks up a second technical. He's out of the game. So... I just found that very weird. Another thing too, and I said I would touch on this, is does anybody else notice this, is, or is it just me, that anytime Cristiano Felicio subs into the game and he's actually playing, it's almost every single time the dude is involved in a play and it doesn't go his way, or even if he it does go his way, he is complaining about something. Like I, I try to be fair with him, and I know he gets a ton of crap, but man, the, the complaining has got to stop. It, it really does. I get it. Everybody thinks he's the worst NBA player probably on any one of the rosters. And he's getting paid a ton of money. But if you're going to be on the NBA floor, man, you can't have your hands raised every single play of every possession. And have a look on your face at every ref complaining about everything. It happens way too frequently. I wish I would have kept a counter since he started to actually get some minutes. Because I swear, it's almost every single play. Last night again, he was he was complaining that LeBron James drew a foul on him. Dude, it's LeBron James. I mean, it's it's getting ridiculous, man. I'm sorry, Felicio. And, I mean, ask Zach Levine how he feels when he doesn't pick up fouls or when he draws fouls. Ask Wendell Carter Jr., man. How many times has he drawn drawn fouls when he's standing 10 feet away from the play and there's like a foul on number 34, Wendell Carter Jr. And Wendell like turns around and goes, that one was on me? I mean, I explained it back in December. I told you guys how many fouls Carter picked up and I said about half of those fouls, he was bailing teammates out or he wasn't even involved in the play and he was picking up those fouls. So come on, man. You got to cut the complaining. It's it's getting ridiculous. You're you're not even focused on the next play, and you're running down the floor with your hands to your sides and 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 looking at the refs complaining about the last call, and then your guys beating you down the floor for an easy layup or an easy dunk. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter because he's not going to play or impact the game that much. I just think it's just ridiculous that he complains how often he actually does. And if you you haven't watched it at all or you haven't been paying attention to it, just watch next time. He's in, next couple of games, just watch for it. Because I, I swear you'll pick up on it. I want to end on a positive note here, though, from this game. If there's anything that we can learn from this is, and I said it a few days ago, man, I'll, I'll take all those Otto Porter Jr. lobs, man. 
Uh, Archie Diakono started it again with it with a steal and then pushed it up again to Otto Porter Jr., who tossed up a lob to Lowry Markinen for a dunk, which was one of four field goals Lowry Markinen made last night. But man, that's it's really nice to see that Otto Porter is just a very intelligent player, is willing to throw up lobs, and I think this is the first time we're actually getting that type of connection other than the Pow and Jimmy connection that we saw a few years back. And somebody brought it up... To, uh, to me on Twitter that I was forgetting the Dwayne Wade Cristiano Felicio connection I think that was more of a rare occurrence than anything else I was talking about consistent connection and that's I think award goes to Pau Gasol and Jimmy Butler but uh, it's nice that we actually have a player that can toss up lobs because you got Zach Levine and you've got Lowry Markin and two dudes who can go up catch it and slam it down so it's nice from a fan perspective who loves to see that type of action going down so I'll take all of them. I'll take all the Otto Porter Jr. lobs. I'll take all the Lowry Markinen lobs. Just give me them all. Give me them all. So I'm down for that. I don't know how you guys feel last night either with the LeBron James showcase, but it seems like he loves crushing Bulls fans' souls. You know, the off the backboards dunks and the 360 reverse jams and all of that. Don't know how you guys feel about it, but uh, yeah. It is what it is, right? It is what it is. I'm actually going to switch gears. I was going to take some of your guys' questions, but we've got three or four voicemails plus a handful of text messages. I think we're going to save those for tomorrow. I want Matt to be here to take those too. I've got something else to get to real fast. I thought in honor of today being Jim Boylan's 100th day as Bulls head coach, you know, it, it's funny. I only marked this day because he had mentioned it in his first day as being Bulls head coach when he had the introductory press conference or that quasi press conference that he had on December 3rd. He said he had been asked that. He said, what are you going to do in your first hundred days as Bulls head coach? And so it got me thinking that how did, how is Jim Boylan's tenure been and what's it been like? Has he been improved at all? And you know, I've gone on a couple different radio shows over the last couple of weeks and even the last couple, few days, and people have asked, you know, has Jim Boylan improved at all? Has this team improved at all? Do you see any signs of growth? And are you still skeptical? Are you still grilling Jim Boylan as hard as you, you were before? And while I'm not grilling him as hard as I was maybe in the first 22-23 games of the season or his tenure, there are still some weaknesses. I still have a lot of questions, but I think he does deserve some credit for the shape that this team is in now currently. So if you split Jim Boylan's tenure into two different parts, because the Bulls have played 45 games, if you split it to the first 22 games and then split it to the second 23 games, the Bulls are relatively better. If you look at offensive defensive rating, you look at the advanced stats, you look at the way the players have been playing, it's been better. It has. So I will give him credit for that. But I also went back and listened to his introductory press conference and he was asked, what are some of the things that you want to improve on and you want to see this Bulls team improve on by the end of the season and things that should be done previously from the first 24 games of the season? Some of the things that I noted that he had mentioned in that press conference was defensive rebounding. He said they were 27th in the NBA in defensive rebounding. That was actually wrong. They were 17th in defensive rebounding, but nonetheless, they weren't a very good rebounding team overall. They were 30th in the NBA under Fred Hoiberg during that stretch, the first 24 games in offensive rebounding, and they were in the bottom third in rebounding overall. I think they were 26th in rebounding overall, but nonetheless, defensive rebounding was something else that he had mentioned. Last five minutes of games, closing out in games in general, he said 50-50 balls they were just not getting. So that was something that he also mentioned that he wanted the Bulls to improve on. He said transition defense was huge for them. Offensive execution, he said screening, cutting, and passing, and then also physicality and attention to detail. All of those things were mentioned by Jim Boylan as part of what he wants to see improvement on. And then also, too, the passion, the spirit, the energy of this team overall. Those are all valid things, and I think those are all valid goals for Jim Boylan to set for himself at the beginning of his tenure. Now, if you if you dive through all of those, have have the Bulls improved since that point, 45 games in, 100 days since Jim Boylan's taken over? Have, have the Bulls improved since that point? And while comparing it to Fred Hoiberg's first 24 games of the season, I don't think is very fair, 
considering without Markkanen, considering out without the majority of his starting rotation, and Jim Boylan's been with a lot of those guys, but I'm not even going to use the comparison of Fred Hoiberg. I won't even go there. I would rather just compare the first half of Jim Boylan's 100 days and the second half of Jim Boylan's 100 days. Let's look at that really fast. So, between December 3rd and January 20th, first 22 games of Jim Boylan's Bulls career, the Bulls were an offensive rating of 101.2 and a defensive rating of 112.8 for a net rating of negative 11.6. Now, you're probably wondering, Jordan, where does that sit among the NBA during that stretch? The Bulls were 30th in offensive rating, and they were 26th in defensive rating. They were 29th in net rating as well. So, not all that great. Obviously, one of the worst stretches the Bulls have had during his tenure. That was also included by the franchise loss with the Celtics. I don't feel like I need to run through all of these scenarios that played out. We know what happened. The 10-game losing streak was included during that period. It was split up a little bit during the first 22 games of his tenure. But nonetheless, the Bulls didn't play great. They didn't. They had a little bit of a spurt when Jim Boylan took over. You know, you had wins against the Spurs and you had wins against the Thunder. Um, But for the most part, not a great start to Jim Boylan's tenure. You know, you also had the practices and the push-ups. But nonetheless, let's keep going. You guys know all of this that I'm talking about. So then how has it progressed from January 20th to today? The Bulls offensive rating From that point in 23 games, an offensive rating of 110.9, a defensive rating of 113.1, for a net rating of negative 2.2. That offensive rating puts them tied with the Philadelphia 76ers for 16th in the league, and their defensive rating puts them at 23rd in the NBA at 113.1. So the offensive rating spiked up, middle of the pack in the NBA, in this second half of Jim Boylan's 100 days. So yes, they went from last in the NBA when Jim Boylan took over to now middle of the pack. While the players do get a decent chunk of credit, Boylan does get a little bit of credit for that. And while it does come on the heels of acquiring Otto Porter Jr., and it does come on the stretch of Robin Lopez playing out of his mind and Zach Levine having a career month and Lowry Markkinen having a career month, Boylan gets credit for opening things up. And whether that was told by management to do that, whether it's schemes, whether it's Boylan starting to figure some of this stuff out, nonetheless, I think Boylan does deserve a little bit of credit. But like I've said before a million times about Boylan, there are still major questions. That Bulls that net rating, too, during this period at a negative 2.2 overall puts the Bulls at 20th in the NBA. So still... Middle of the pack would be 11 through 20, so the Bulls are still middle of the pack, but they're the very last team in the middle of the pack. Just to quickly wrap up, you know, looking at all the advanced analytics of this team and just offensively, defensively, while it isn't a huge increase and isn't a huge spike, their assist-to-turnover ratio during that first half of Jim Boylan's tenure was a 1.41. During the second half, now it's up to a 1.78, so there's an increase there. Their defensive rebounding percentage was a 70.9% in the first half. Their defensive rebounding percentage leading up to now is a 74.8%. So there's an increase there. You look at their true shooting percentage in the first half, 52.8%. The second half, 56.9%. So there's an increase there. You look at the overall pace of the what the Bulls were playing at the beginning. It was playing at a pace at 963 You look at the pace that the Bulls have been playing in the last 23 games. The pace is at 100.10. So the Bulls have picked it up. So there's been an increase across the board. Look at even turnover percentage. The Bulls were turning the ball over at a 15.3% rate during that first half. The Bulls are turning the ball over at a percent of 12.8%. So it's down. So across the board of advanced analytics from Jim Boylan's first half of the games that he was coaching in 100 days to the second half, across the board, there's been improvements in advanced analytics. Now that doesn't speak to everything that the Bulls have done. And of course, February was great for the Bulls, but there's been improvements. There has. There's no doubt about that. Now, will it last? That's the question. And while this is only one factor, 
there still are a lot of questions about whether or not Boylan is the coach going forward and can he continue to improve because we just talked about it. Weakness is about does he know how to run rotations? Does he know how to use his timeouts in clutch time, in crunch time? Is he willing to take accountability when things go wrong on the coaching side too? And I think that's a huge point to this all. Like last night too, for example, when he was asked about why things aren't going right on the defensive side of the ball, he went back to an answer about heart. And like, I think people are tired of hearing that. And we talked about that too, and that's a big thing. And maybe he'll grow into that if the Bulls are going to bring him back next year. But I think if you're going to take credit for when things go well, you also need to take accountability for when things go bad. Players realize that. A lot of players are doing that too. They take credit for when things are going well, and some don't even take credit when things go well. They'll give it to their teammates. But a lot of the players will take accountability when things are going wrong. Will Jim Boylan do that? And will he do that with his coaching staff? Because we we didn't we didn't see that when things were going really bad in January, you know? It didn't sound like he was willing to take on accountability for some of the mistakes that the coaching staff was making. So will we see that other than just some of these buzzwords that we always seemingly hear from him? That's the I think the biggest question of it all. There's been improvements, but There's still a lot of weaknesses, a lot of questions I think Bulls fans have, and people are worried as far as the long-term projection. But the positives, too, outside of just the basketball play, too, and I know Matt and I kind of disagree on this stance, and I don't know if other Bulls fans agree or disagree with us on this, but, man, I, I think he's getting guys, even like you look at Zach Levine, for instance, after that Hawks loss on the road back at the end of January, where he said we weren't getting blown out like this and things weren't happening like this under Fred. He didn't say specifically Fred, but you knew knew what he was saying. Once Jabari and Bobby were traded, culture start, started to shift a little bit. And I'm not saying those guys were the reason, but guys are starting to buy in now and it's it it's different. You know, and I had mentioned this to a few other people, but when you when you're getting guys like Ryan Archie Diakon who are celebrating dunks in the middle of a second quarter, first quarter, and you're getting guys like Robin Lopez who are being touted as as you know the protector of the team, and he's was one of the main guys to stop the player mutiny back in December, and you know Zach Levine is smiling after a 76ers win not even a week ago, and you know guys are just seemingly clicking together. Is Jim Boylan a part of that? Is he the one that's setting the foundation for the culture of this team? And is he getting guys to realize that it, there's more to being a professional athlete and an NBA player than just the basketball side of this? If it is, I really like that. And I want part of that to be what my NBA coach is. So all of these factors I got to weigh in. As much as we hear the crazy philosophies and all of the the buzzwords and all of that that I can't stand, guys seem a little bit more bought in than they were two months ago. But that's why I say I still got to wait and hold out to see what we hear from everybody and what goes down after the season's over. What we truly hear from the meetings between the coaching staff and the front office the end of the year. I marked the 100-day of Jim Boylan's tenure down today in my calendar when I heard him say that in December because I was curious what this would look like and it's been it's been a wild ride in 100 days so we'll see if he lasts at the end of the season and I think all signs like I told Matt back at the trade deadline all signs are pointing to he's probably coming back and with all the articles and the stuff that's come out over the last few weeks plus the winning streak and the the playing better and the development and all of that. I'm not saying 100%, but it just seems like signs are pointing to the Bulls are, are going to stick with their guy until we hear otherwise, right? I'm curious what you guys think, though. Has your thoughts on Jim Boylan changed at all? I get it. Like You can still have doubts and you can still have a lot of questions about Boylan being the future of what he can bring as a coach long term. Because I do. I still have plenty of questions and doubts and wonders and curiosities about whether or not he can be the guy for the future. But has your, has your opinion changed at all, at least a little bit? And have you been giving him a little bit of credit for any of this or no? Do you still think that it's just a... He's just taking orders from guys up top. And do you think it's just more about letting the guys play what's 
what they were originally supposed to be doing, and that's opening it up and playing more of a free-flowing offense and doing what Fred was wanted to do at the beginning of the season with a healthy roster. So I'm very curious. If you want to drop those text messages and those voicemails, hit us up at 331-979-1369. I know it's a confusing time to be a Bulls fan right now. You see all these wins happening, but you don't want to forget about everything that's happened in the first few months of this Bulls season. And you're still confused about the direction and where this rebuild's going and how to feel and what to think. It just is. It's a confusing time to be a Bulls fan. But uh, I'm curious how Bulls fans feel now 100 days into Boylan's tenure. Do you still feel the same you did back in January? Even if you do give him credit, doesn't mean you you think that he needs to come back next year as the head coach. Just very curious on where you guys sit and what you're thinking right now as a Bulls fan. So hit us up, 331-979-1369. Hit us up on Twitter, too, at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. That's going to about do it here on Locked on Bulls. Streaming live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com, and the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But Net channel. Live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. For Jordan Malley, thanks so much, Bulls Nation, for hanging out with me today. Matt Peck will be back tomorrow. We'll be full boat again. We'll take your text messages, your voicemails, because we had a ton of people drop them last night and yesterday afternoon, tipping off from our conversation on Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday. So we'll get to all of those on tomorrow's show and a bunch of other different segments we got to do on tomorrow's episode. So continue to hit us up throughout the day today and tomorrow morning. We'll get to as many as we can on the show. For Jordan Malley, for Locked On Bulls, thanks for hanging out. Have a great day. Be back tomorrow. Deuces. Locked On Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked On Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com.